Together, we, we begin the season of Lent. This is the first Sunday of Lent, and uh, we begin in uh, the book of James. Uh, just a, a word of invitation. If you have your Bibles and we turn to James together today, go ahead and like, like mark that, uh, that, that book of the Bible or flag it uh, in the pages because the entire season of Lent, we're going to be digging into James together. Uh, th- th- James, if it was going to be summed up in two words, it would be do something. Do something in response to uh, the gospel in your life, uh, act it out, live out your faith uh, together. And so uh, we're beginning today in chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, following through verse 25. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. If not, you can follow along with the words on the screen. Together we'll hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. Together we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Uh, Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to gather around your word, to hear you speak to us this day. Lord, we trust in your word. We depend on it, and we ask, oh God, that you would make yourself known to us through it. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds we come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. And then in response, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought about it? We, we have seen ourselves more than any other generation before us. We have seen ourselves more than any other generation before us. I mean, uh, back in ancient times, and, and I'm talking about ancient, ancient times, like to see yourself, you would be required to look in a reflection in water. That would be the first glimpse you would have, and if a ripple came, then, then it would distort that image. Or if the water was cloudy, it would be distorted. So, so the, the, the clarity of, of what you look like would be, uh, would be quite foggy, but it would be a precious moment. You would remember the first time you saw yourself. And then as time went on, you could see yourself in uh, polished metals, and you could hold up a reflection, and, and, and the dimples or imperfections uh, of the metal would, would also distort your image, but the shinier and more perfect the metal, the, the more clear that image would be. And then as time went on, it progressed to actual mirrors, but, but you might have seen a, a, an ancient mirror uh, where, where the, there's black spots in the mirror, and there's cloud in the mirror, and it's still kind of difficult, and you kind of find the right little spot to peer at yourself 
in the mirror. And then time goes on and, and we, we perfect the mirror and the, and the mass production of the mirror. But uh, at first, it's, it's still more costly and more valuable. So it's held in public display or only the, the elite and the wealthy can have access to mirrors. And you might uh, be in a public space and see yourself for the first time clearly and be struck in awe. That's what I look like. And then it became more and more prevalent. It's in our homes. Uh, it's, it's in every bathroom. It's in most bedrooms. It's in living spaces to make the corner seem bigger. So the rooms extend and expand, right? Home decorating, something like that 101. Uh, and then, and then the, the camera. We see pictures of ourselves. And then we carry a mirror in our pocket every day of our lives so that we could take selfies. We are constantly seeing ourselves in a mirror. And the experience, the moment, becomes less and less treasured. The more accessible it is, the less we value it, and the less we value it, the less memorable it is. So I believe for us to grasp what James is putting forth for us here, we, we actually have to go back generations and, and go to a, a moment in time where if you looked in a mirror and you saw yourself, you would be like, wow, how precious a moment is that? It's not something to despise or to analyze. It's not something to, to critique or to correct or to edit or to polish up in every single one of our photographs. Rather, you would treasure it in your heart. And so when you look at it, you would be struck in awe. And so how foolish would you be if you don't have access to it to look at the mirror and then to turn away from it and forget what you just saw? James is writing and saying, that's not how we operate. We look at it and we remember and we recall and we treasure. And I think that that correlation of accessibility also translates as, as James prepared centuries ago for us to be aware of that our accessibility to Scripture also has diluted our treasure for it. There was a study done recently that said uh, in the average Christian household, there are 11 Bibles. I see what you're doing. You're starting to count. Okay, I got grandma's Bible. We got the family Bible. I got my third grade Bible. I got a confirmation Bible. Those words were too small, so I got my large print Bible. Right? Like you, start, you start adding them up, and, and I can do it really quickly. Addie and Aiden and Sam all got third grade Bibles. Addie and Aiden got confirmation Bibles, uh, and, and, and Lauren and I got our third grade Bibles, and we both got our grown-up Bibles, and you start getting to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, 11, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. 11 Bibles on average in our homes. Some of you are thinking, I'm above average. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I'm below average. But I got this one. And I mean, I, isn't that right? I say, hey, a scripture's going to be in James. Bible app. Boom, James. I'm with you, right? And so now whenever we have this proliferation of availability of scripture, has that made us treasure it more? I mean, in, in, 
And when James was writing, the, the scripture was actually transmitted orally. It would, it would have had, there would have been some written record of it, but oftentimes it was memorized, it was presented orally in worship. Think, think I'm wrong? Think back to Jesus in Nazareth when he goes to preach his very first sermon, and they bring him a scroll of Isaiah, and he reads from the scroll. No one else in the room has the scroll. In fact, no one else in the room, save one or two priests, would be allowed the opportunity to touch that scroll. And then as the generations move on, we, uh, we see that the, the scriptures uh, are actually uh, one of the great sins of the church is constrained to the Latin language so that in order to, un, in order to know what the scriptures say, you have to have an inter, intermediary, a priest, to be able to translate it for you. And then it becomes translated into multiple languages in the printing press and then digital technology. And over and over again, the scriptures become more and more accessible to us. But back to the question, does that mean that we treasure it more? In that same study that said each of us have on average 11 Bibles in our homes, it also says that 50% of church-going Christians admit, I think that's a key word, to reading Scripture either occasion, on on rare occasion or not at all. 50% of church-going Christians admit to reading Scripture either on rare occasion or not at all. All right, look to your left. Look to your right. If you read Scripture more than occasionally, it's them. Oh. Uh, <laughs> or, or maybe it's more than that because this is just what we admit I mean, church-going people, I don't know if I should admit to that. And so maybe we don't, like, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the process of polling. We're going to, like, ah. So as Scripture has become more and more accessible, have we treasured it more or less? I was at my uncle's funeral a few months back in a, uh, in a Catholic church uh, and I hadn't been to a, a, a mass in in the Catholic tradition in years and years and years. And I just sat there. And, and, and much of what I experienced uh, was somewhat foreign. But there was something that just, just touched my soul. When it came time to read the scripture, man, you knew something was happening. I mean, they walked up, pa 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 with the incense here and here, and then they then then uh, they they had some uh, some readers uh, read it, and they had kind of a rhythmic chant to what they were reading. But then, when it came time for the gospel, the whole body was on their feet, and the and the priest himself was the one that read the scripture. Whenever I heard that scripture that day, I knew something was happening because the rhythm of the body was to treasure that moment how can we treasure scripture such that it can it could it could permeate our lives and lead to action uh, verse 25 I, I think moves us clearly in in this direction and and walks it through uh, walks us through this step by step 
says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If you look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and do it, you'll be blessed in what you do. This perfect law, did you hear that? It's a perfect law. I mean, this is, this is a mind-blowing for us because so often we come to, to Scripture and we, we, we have curiosities or questions, challenges arise. We have something that, that is convicting. And, and so all of a sudden we wonder, how could this be possible? We read something mystical, something, something, something fantastic, healing and, and, and uh, demonic forces being expelled. And, and when you, we read about spiritual realities, all of a sudden we, we start to, to question and comment. Maybe we find ourselves like Thomas Jefferson, like scratching out certain passages of scripture so that you could go and buy the Jeffersonian Bible that in and of itself is a is a is an eisegetical uh, mess. Eisegesis means that you put yourself in scripture above scripture informing yourself. And that's how that's often how we operate. We come to scripture not saying what Lord, what do you have for me here? But how can I put myself over and above Scripture? But it says that it is perfect. That Scripture is perfect. So what would it be for us whenever we see the challenges and, the, and find the curiosities within ourselves when we read Scripture for us to go deeper there? For us to wander into those waters faithfully and tenderly, seeking the Lord in the midst of it, rather than dismissing it, running from it, or cutting it out altogether. He says, look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. You see, it is perfect because it does give freedom. When we hear the word law, we think about rules and regulations, and we think a lot about Leviticus if we're working through uh, that consideration around Scripture. And all of a sudden, we fall asleep. It's like, boom, like, like Leviticus. But it, but it says that this is the perfect law, and it gives freedom. That means that, that whenever we approach Scripture and Scripture informs our lives, it is not withholding abundance from us, but it is blessing us with freedom and liberty to receive abundance. Law, this law does not mean that we then are constrained and missing out on something extraordinary. Rather, God is blessing us with the extraordinary freedom and liberty. We are released from all that constrains us, from our, from our sin, from our depravity, from our broken relationships, from our woundedness. All of those things are healed and restored, and we have freedom in the perfect law. This is a blessing for us. Look intently into the perfect law, which gives us freedom, and do it. Do what it says. Verse 22 says it like this, don't merely be listeners to the word. Now, some of us in this room were thinking to ourselves, man, when, whenever I had to turn to my left and turn to my right, I was wondering, I wonder how much I read scripture, how much I'm connected to God's word. And maybe I felt a little convicting pool, so, so maybe I'm going to go home today and I'm going to read a little bit. Great. That's an awesome start. 
You know, I, I was uh, at, at Aiden's track meet earlier this week, and he was in, in, a, in a race the four by two, and he's always been a distance runner. So at the, at the beginning of the race, he always stood upright, right? And now he's in the four by two, and so I was wondering what leg he was in, because if he was in the first leg, then he would have had to get down in the starting blocks and actually like, like kick out of the starting blocks. It's good to open the word. That's a great starting block. But James doesn't let us stop there. He doesn't say, hey, it's good that you read it. He says that's a starting point. Don't merely just be listeners or readers of God's word. Do it. Let it permeate the boundaries and barriers that we have uh, within us. Let, Let God's word inform our minds so that we can come know and understand our heavenly father and his saving grace, the gift of his son more and more, let us, let us comprehend his love. And then let us feel how that, that can permeate the boundary of our intellect and, and intersect our heart. That our hearts would be strangely warmed. We would feel the power and presence of the Holy Spirit just, just uh, enlivening us and richly blessing us. Let that, that, that boundary that, that is built up within us, that disconnects uh, our head and our heart from our actions, then be, be torn down so that we aren't only hearers or readers, but we are also doers of the word. Look intently into the perfect law. It gives us freedom. And do it, you will be blessed. This is rich blessing for us. Life eternal, life abundant, fully released to be at God's work in the world. So how do we do this? At the the very beginning of, of, of that verse, it says to look intently. To look intently. In verse, in verse 21, it, it describes it this way. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you. To look intently, I believe, means to look humbly. For us to dig into God's word humbly, knowing that that we are not the authors of the perfect law, but God is. Knowing that that, that we uh, cannot uh, cannot grapple with or understand it by our own strength, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and amongst us that will guide us to God's holy truth. You see, when we look intently, we are looking humbly. Humbly. We're not coming to Scripture saying, what can I discover today? But rather, I invite you to to approach Scripture and say, Lord, what do you have for me today in your word? Because when you invite God into that activity, he is going to reveal his heart, truth, and love to you. And so for all of us to hear humbly what God has for us, it will then implant his word there. I have the greatest dentist in the community, I believe. I love him. Dr. Bond, and he's up on 1488, favorite dental. If you need a reference, I'll give it to you, or I just did. And so um, he, he, he's a, a faithful man, a servant of the Lord, and, and he's, he's a hoot. Uh, I went recently to the dentist office, and we had the, the whole kind of him and hall procedure. And then uh, I'm at the cash register to check out with one of his assistants, and he comes back. He's like... <gasps> Pastor Jason, I forgot to show you my shirt. And I'm like, oh gosh. 
you know, dad moment, right? This is going to be cringy. Um, but then he says, you know, John three sixteen. say it with me. And so together there in the dentist office, we said, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. I got to thinking, when did, when did I have that scripture implanted in me? I don't remember, but it's been there. And he looked at me and he said, check out this shirt. Boom. And he showed me the back of his shirt. And on the back of it, it said, I am a whosoever. Yeah. And he was super proud of his shirt. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that moment just happened. What does it mean to humbly come to Scripture, to look intently in it, and for it to be planted in you? What Scripture is planted in you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. In him there is no darkness at all. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but there is, uh, there is salvation. I am saved by grace through faith. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. What is it to have the word of God implanted in you so that it then informs, transforms your day today life so that we are no longer merely hearers or readers but we are doers of the word in the world well part of this this study that was done that shows that we have 11 bibles in our homes and 50 percent of us read it rarely or not at all uh, was to to ask ourselves how can we change this course in the church how can we move in another direction? And one of the things that, that we realized was that the scriptures in the 16th century became more of a reference book. It entered into the chapter verse form. It began having footnotes and references so that our Bibles have like, like there, there's that much at the top of the page and an equal amount at the bottom of the page with all the ways in which we're supposed to like study it. And we have study Bibles so that we could research it. And we have failed to hear the word and just receive its power wash over us. So there's a, a series, the Immersed Bible Reading. And what it's done is it's broken the Bible up into sections. Uh, this section, Messiah, is the section of the New Testament. And uh, there's an eight-week reading plan. And, uh, and you could do like I do. Whenever I read a book, I, I, I like peel the pages back and forth. That's how I like to read. Uh, for some reason, I don't do that with, with my Bible. But what a gift it is to be able to, to read God's Word. I am inviting you to join me over the season of Lent and a week beyond for an eight-week reading of Messiah. There is a plan there. There's a QR code. You could order the book. It's $15. If that's an obstacle for any of you, find me after worship. We'll buy it for you. And then uh, we're also not meant to read Scripture only alone. We're meant to read it in community and fellowship with one another. So we're going to have book clubs. We're going to have uh, Bible book clubs, immersed Bible reading book clubs, on Thursday mornings, 9 to 10, Thursday evenings from 6 to 7. Uh, this week, Pastor Zach and I are going to be there. I hope that you will come as well. 
Because if, if we're going to actually get into the spirit of James's le- uh, leading this Lenten season, then each week we're going to have a challenge. And the first challenge is to dig into God's word and not only be hearers, but be doers as well. And maybe for you, like it is with me, an opportunity to hear the, the good news of Jesus in a fresh way could be life-giving and transform, transform the malaise of the regimented day-by-day into a transformed Jesus-living work in the world. I want to invite you to do that because I believe that we can intently look into God's word and be blessed in our response doing his work in the world. Uh, Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to hear of your word, to hear from your word, to know that it is true and it is perfect and it is good. Lord, help us to to respond wholly and faithfully uh, to your word so that we might uh, allow it to, to, to lead us to action in the world. Lord, let our passive tendencies of faith be set aside, be cast down, so that we might be engaged and energized, alive in, in spirit, alive in word, alive in you. Lord, use this season of digging into your word to do a transforming work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.